0: Come on in. If you're sitting outside drinking coffee, you come on in too. I know you can hear me. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Grab somebody. Shake their hand. Let them know you're glad to see them. All right. Church, say amen. Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to have air conditioning when it's 90 degrees? All right. If you need an outline, if you forgot to pick up an outline, I know there's some running around somewhere. Brother Johnny's got one. Raise your hand. Raise your hand all the way to the front. uh, Bishop Buchanan, all the way to the front. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up. If y'all remember, if y'all remember, we we did not get finished with an outline. Like that's a shocker, amen. Uh, we did not get finished with the last one, but I'm gonna give you the last few uh, uh, points on it in just a minute. That way you can fill it out because I know some of y'all are like psycho and you get crazy if you don't fill in every little line. Uh, so I'm going to give that to you, and then we'll go and jump right into uh, the series here tonight. I am so proud to be here. I want you all to know uh, it is good to be in a place that, that, that hungers and, and wants to learn about the things of God. Amen? And I love being in this place. So let's, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We, we have gone through the book of 1 Peter. We're going to jump right into 2 Peter. And we learn several, several things. While you're turning, while you're turning, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to rush it. I get to take my time on Wednesday. Amen? All right. 2 Peter chapter number 1 uh, we'll begin, we'll begin reading in verse number five. We'll begin reading in verse number five. Then we'll, then we'll do the catch up tonight. All right. Verse number five. And beside this, and, and basically, uh, what that's meaning is your salvation, uh, your faith in Christ. You, you have, you have placed your faith in Christ. Uh, how many of y'all know salvation is just the beginning? Uh God did not want us just to get saved so we could have a ticket to glory uh because if that was the case we'd go as soon as we got saved. God wouldn't leave us here through this difficulty. God wouldn't leave us here through these hard times and hard days and hard places and and hard issues that we have to deal with if going to heaven was the only deal. That's not it. There is this and salvation is the beginning. Then there becomes a process, a process of development. It is God's will that we be conformed to the image of his son. Say amen. I had the opportunity uh, last week to speak uh, three or four times to the, the Community Changers event out in Holly Pond. And I went through, I went through the life of Joseph and in the, in the places Joseph went through. And, and uh, man, it was a great study. And one of, the, one of the biggest things that you take from the life of Joseph, he is the greatest type of Christ in all the Bible. He is the greatest, without question, the greatest type of Christ in all of the Bible. But one of the things you notice about Joseph's life is it went through garbage. Every step of the way, it seemed he got a dream at 17 years old, and then every step that took place after that, it seemed like it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And you think, what in the world? But in the end, he was sitting in the palace. Uh, He was in the pit, and God, he emptied him in the pit. He was in Potiphar's house, and God educated him in Potiphar's house. Then he ended up in the prison where God employed him, but then in the palace, God elevated him. Say amen. But this is the deal. When you step back, you see a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure while he was sitting in the pit, he wasn't thinking about that. When he was was being lied about at Potiphar's house by Potiphar's wife, he wasn't thinking about that. When he was in the prison and was was forgotten, he was forgotten in the prison. He wasn't thinking about becoming Christ-like or being a great picture of Christ. But God used all of those things. We love to quote Romans 8, 28, don't we? That God's going to work all things for good. Amen? Don't we quote that all the time when we get in issues and get in trouble? But it says, for them that are called according to his purpose. And we forget to read verse 29. What is his purpose? For whom he did for? No, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. his son. So that's what we want to talk about. How do we become more like Christ? After we're saved, after we have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, besides this, beside this, in verse number, verse number five, beside your salvation experience, your journey with the Lord begins, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Everybody say it. Add to your faith and to virtue and to knowledge and to temperance and to patience and to godliness and to brotherly kindness, which means what? Love, obviously. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, I love this, ye shall never, fall. never fall. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for a, a bunch of people here tonight, Lord. They're they're hungry. And they're ready to study your word. And I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Here's here's a brief, very brief uh, review, uh, a brief overview of what we covered so far in this particular chapter of the Bible. uh, We talked about this. If you have your old outline handy with you, uh, the old outline, we learned, number one, the Christian life begins with faith. It begins with faith. It doesn't begin with good deeds. It doesn't begin with going to church. It doesn't begin with getting baptized. It doesn't begin by paying uh, tithes or offerings. Your your Christian life begins with faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith, faith. faith. The Christian life begins with faith. Number two, faith results in spiritual growth. Faith results in spiritual growth. If there is no growth taking place, there's death. And salvation is life. When you've been saved, you've gone from death unto, and any time there is life, there is always growth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's going to be some changes taking place. There's going to be things that take place. Uh, We're not going to be perfect automatically. We're We're probably never going to be perfect, period, but there will be some changes take place in our life. When we are born, something takes place, growth happens. It's a natural response. Now, why does that take place? Two things we said. Because of a new nature. When we get saved, God puts a new nature in us. He puts a new nature. We were born with the old nature. We were born with the the Adamic nature or the the nature that we received from Adam. Uh, It is corrupt. It is broken. But when we got saved, we were partakers of the divine nature. Are y'all with me? Say amen. A new nature means a new appetite. A new nature means new associates. A new nature means new atmosphere. We don't hang around the places we used to hang around. We don't hang around the people we used to hang around. We don't desire the things we used to desire. They said, I didn't quit drinking. I just changed fountains. Amen. Listen, we got a new nature. And because of our new nature, things begin to change. Things begin to change. Growth begins to happen. Not only uh, because of the new nature, but because of the needed nurture that's what we're going to talk about tonight. In other words, we got a job to do. There is stuff that we need to do in our Christian life. God will work in us and we'll work it out. God works in us to do his will and we work it out. God will put in us, we bring it out. We work it. We, we go after it. It says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, we are serving him and doing things. All right, nurturing. And then thirdly, spiritual growth brings practical results spiritual growth brings practical results and that's when we went into the the seven items that we're talking about uh, 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 add to your faith virtue virtue knowledge knowledge temper all those things those come into our life and become a part of who we are and that and we're, what we're going to do <clears throat> The next few weeks, each Wednesday night, we're going to take each one of them and dissect them. Take one particular topic. Tonight, we're going to take virtue, which means excellence. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But here's, here's, your, here's your notes for uh, all of you. How many of y'all have your old outline? You, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. Y'all are shocking me. Amen. All right, here's your answers, and then we'll, we'll jump into the, the, the topic of virtue. Uh, growth, we're under B, the very last page, page number three. Uh, growth, we evidence, three things, and I'm not going to preach Caesar or teach them, I'm just going to give them to you and write them down, and then we'll talk about it. First is fruitfulness. When we exercise these things in our life, we will experience fruitfulness. How many of y'all want to be productive in your life? Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a missionary evangelist, a plumber, a painter, a doctor, a lawyer, a, 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 a landscaping artist. Whatever it is, we all should be productive in our life. Amen? So when we operate in these things, we'll have fruitfulness. Number two, we'll have vision. We'll have vision. We need to be able to see things clearly. And this is not necessarily physically meaning, uh, but more spiritually. Number three, we'll have security. The growing Christian walks with confidence because he knows he is secure in Christ. It is not our perfect now, now. Catch this, catch this. I wish I had time to deal with this tonight. It is not our profession of faith that guarantees that we are saved. It is our progression in the faith that gives us that assurance. Amen. There's a lot of people that profess salvation, but nothing changed. Nothing's different. Nothing took place. So how do you know? How do you know if you're saved? Did something happen? Has things changed? Is there a new nature? And so forth and so on. But we know that as we grow and as we develop as a Christian, it brings us an assurance of our salvation, an assurance of the faith that we have. All right? Church, say amen. Amen. Now, on to the new lesson. On to the new lesson. Should be knowing and growing. Uh, This is part number two. Virtue. Virtue. He says, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Virtue. Add to your faith means to place alongside. We need to work at this in our life. We need to develop this in our life. What is that? Virtue or excellence. Say that with me. Say it again. Excellence. Excellence. Now this is something a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people struggle with. Vince Lombardi said this, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch what? Excellence. Excellence. Now I like what John Gardner said too excellence is doing ordinary things extraordinarily well excellence is simply doing ordinary things extraordinarily well you know that i put in parentheses in my notes if you want to put this i put right there beside my notes this means anybody can do this nobody has an excuse to be sorry my grandmother, she 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 was she was cool. I'm telling you, uh, I grew up I grew up on the ocean. Uh, uh, I mean, right there at Fort Pierce, and, and 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 I didn't live, but two or three, four or five minutes from the beach. And 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 my grandma would always say this. This was I've never forgot this. Uh, she said, "There's no excuse to be dirty. There's no excuse to be dirty." This is what she'd say. Anybody will give you a bar soap, and there's a whole ocean out there. So if you're dirty, you're sorry no excuse to be no excuse to be dirty now we can say this there anybody give you a bar of soap and smith lake is right there amen <laughs> there's no excuse and you know what this tells us right here there's no excuse to lack excellence in your life there's none. Uh, excellence does not mean you have to be a superhero. It doesn't mean you have to have super abilities. It doesn't mean that you have to have super talent. It doesn't mean you have to have super intellect or intelligence. It just means you do ordinary things extraordinarily well. You can be excellent in whatever you do. We're going we're to talk about that some more. Uh, Ralph Marston, he said this, excellence is not a skill. It's an attitude. And let me let me give you one of my quotes. Excellence is a pursuit. Excellence is a pursuit. In other words, it's something you strive for and you keep striving for and you keep working for. <clears throat> and I know what some of y'all are thinking. Why are we talking about this in church? This sounds like some CEO motivational speech. Do you realize do you realize what we do for God is important? What we do for God is important uh i uh, you let me read this i'm gonna get carnal if i'm not careful on this Uh, does excellence matter to god i mean really this is a question that we should answer if it's in if it's in his word i think it matters amen but we need to talk about this more he said add to your faith you need to work on being excellent in whatever you do he says look does excellence matter to god does god care about quality Is he concerned with how well things are done? Does it make any difference to God whether the instruments are in tune, the worship team has rehearsed the songs? Some would say no, doesn't really matter. All God cares about is our hearts. It's the thought that counts. God is not impressed with a slick program or flashy audio visuals. What matters to him are internal things like love, compassion, and humility. And that sounds good. That really does. That sounds good, and that's partially right but it's also partially wrong. God doesn't care about those things in and of themselves. God is primarily concerned with our hearts. Watch this, watch this, but I underline that three times, but God does care about those things as an expression of our hearts because the way we serve God in the church In our homes, in our workplaces, in our families, the way we live out our faith, the level of commitment we have to doing things well, to honoring God in every area of our lives, that reveals what is in our hearts. It reveals what's in our hearts. It's not the things themselves that God cares about. It's what those things say about our hearts. What do you what do you what do you do when, when, when a kid's goofing off or in in high school or in school when you're the teacher and they're not doing it to the best of their ability quit doing it half no half-hearted say it with me say it again let us go back to the beginning Let me, how many coaches are in here? How many coaches? Raise your hand if you're a coach. You coach any way, shape, or form. All right. John, perfect example. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, now, I've done seen you in action, so don't you lie in the house of the Lord. All right? How do you feel when a kid is just lollygagging out there and, and acting half-hearted? Does that just make you want to buy my ice cream? Yeah. Uh, he said, I'll take him out. I'll take him out. You know, coaches, teachers, how many of you teachers in here? Raise your hand if you're a teacher. Raise your hand real high if you're a teacher. All right. Now, how do you feel when that student that you know has the potential, you know is full of of intellect and intelligence, and, and they're just halfway going through stuff? Does that not irritate you? Why do we think that God is any different, a God who is so precise, who is so specific in everything he does. If you go through the word of God, you will see how specific he is and what he requires in every area of life. How, look at, are y'all with me? And we do things haphazardly. I've, I've learned this, I've learned this. The larger you get as a church, the more excellence is expected out of the church especially by the unchurched. And I'm thinking this, and you know you don't recognize it and you don't see it as much till you go somewhere else. And I go I go other places a lot. I go other other places a lot and I'm preaching in other places. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you when you're used to striving for excellence in everything that you do in your service and your work and and your ministry and you're around people who don't care about it, it's frustrating. And you think, don't they understand? Don't they understand this is important? What we do is important. Listen, this should be the most important thing that we do. We are serving a great God. We have a great mission. We have a great need in our country. Why should we not struggle and fight and do everything we can for excellence? Listen, our church, listen, every Tuesday, every single Tuesday morning, we are, as a staff, we get together and we, we talk about what went right on Sunday, what went wrong on Sunday, what we need to improve on Sunday, what we need to do better, what we did poorly, everything you can imagine. Every single week, every single week, we want to get better. We want to be excellent. Not necessarily so we can attract people, although excellence does attract people. People are attracted to excellent teams, Excellent choirs. They're attracted to excellent doctors. Let me see if I can just find the sorriest doctor I can find to do my heart surgery. (laughs) Isn't this common sense? But it's not about that. How about the God who saved us and who commands us in his word, add to your faith. Excellence. Excellence. Amen. Let's start with the outline. Let's start with the outline. Number one, where should, where, where should we strive for excellence? Man the list could go on and on and on, but we don't have time, so I just gave you two. Let's talk about some really important areas where we should strive for excellence. First, the direction of excellence. Where should we strive in our worship? In our worship. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. When you think excellence, you're thinking, oh, everybody's got to be perfect and on pitch and all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how much we put into it. I was, I was, I was uh, ministering in a place and, 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 and the, the, the singers were up and the band was up. And they were, they were tuning in the middle of the service. Look, you can do that before. Are y'all with me? There is a time and a place for everything. When we do something, we need to look like we care about what we're doing. And worship is one of them. Worship is one of them. I've been in, in church and, 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 and I, I think the people had the mentality, uh, make a joyful noise because that's what it was. A noise. Listen, if God didn't care about what it sounded like, He wouldn't have been specific about giving certain people voices and certain people not. He'd have made us all the same. I do not believe that God intends for everybody to sing. Somebody needs to watch. Say amen. <laughs> I told you, man, this could get real carnal. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. If you've never been a pastor, you don't understand this. If you've ever been a pastor, you understand that person who hurts people's ears but wants to sing in every service. In the microphone. That's not, that's not. And you say, well, you shouldn't be that way. God said excellence. Now there are certain things I can do, but there are certain things I can't do. You know what I need to do? What I can do? I need to stick with what God. We were we were laughing. We were laughing in uh, in the staff meeting because uh, one one Sunday morning here, and, and I hope most of y'all were not here at that time. Uh, <laughs> But one Sunday morning, I just had a wild hair, you know. You know how when you're, you're in front of the microphone and you're in front and you're feeling it, you know. And, and there was one song, and I just, I think Brother Doyle was up here, and, and I, I said, Hey, y'all, just, just follow me. Just follow me. And I started, and I was somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> I was not on, I don't even know what you call it. I was not on key. I was not on pitch. I was not on anything. I was nowhere in the book. Are y'all with me? And for about about three solid minutes, God let me stay out there and look like an idiot. And I just stopped and I said, why don't we follow him, amen? There's some things I don't need to be doing. But whatever God called me to do and gifted me to do, I need to be the very best person at that I can be. If it's preaching, if it's teaching, whatever that might be, if it's encouraging, if it's praying. Whatever it is, I need to strive for excellence in whatever it is that God has me to do. We need to do it the best of our ability. If you come in and worship, if you come in and worship, that's why we have congregational singing. You say, well, if I, if I can't sing, I don't need to get them. No, I'm saying you don't need a mic. <laughs> Y'all with me? There's a difference. But I think you need to do it the best you can. Now, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. In the church services, I'm going to sing. Uh, Jalen keeps me way away from the microphones, but I'm going to sing. You know why? Watch what the verse says. Watch what the verse says. Psalms 143. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord. Say that with me. Great is the Lord and we have a great salvation. We have a great Lord. He should receive great worship. Y'all with me? Deuteronomy 6, 4. Here, and by the way, some of y'all have been out of shape. or are, You know everything I said tonight is the God's honest truth. You've just been afraid to say it. Say amen. amen. All right. Deuteronomy, verse 6. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now watch this. Watch this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy what? My. Let me ask you a question. Is that how you've been worshiping lately? Is that the kind of effort you have put into your service to this great king that we follow? Have you put it all in there? I love what Paul said in Romans. I love what Paul said. He said, I'm ready, and with all that is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. In other words... I love, I love seeing them people that try, and it looks like they go all the way down to their toes and bring it out to do whatever it is that they do. I was, where's Brother Travis? Traps Sharp, Travis Sharp. Uh, there we go. Don't be ashamed, to raise your hand, man. It's all good. Hey, Brother Clement Chapelle. I was on, I was on. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Live streaming. They're they're in a camp meeting in uh and it's Capital City Baptist Church in in uh, in West Virginia. What part of West Virginia? It's Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, uh, he's a black pastor from Chicago, and uh, he was up there singing. And Buddy, now I'm not exaggerating none of this a bit. Brother Travis Sharp's right there. You can question him right after the service is over. From the bottom of his toes, he comes out with everything. And I'm talking about he he. It's unbelievable. He sung two songs. I was tired watching him. It was, and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's the way we need to come to God. That's the way we need to be excited about what we're doing. That's the way we need to put energy and enthusiasm in what we're doing. The problem with most churches and most Christians is that they look like they've got something that's contagious. Are you all with me? with all your heart, all your might, put everything you've got into it. Listen, excellence. We should we should strive for excellence in our worship. B. We should strive Now this is going to get a bunch of us right here. We should strive for excellence in our work. Our work. Now now most people think that I'm just talking about Right there, you know, you're, you're, you're as a Sunday school teacher, or in the parking lot, uh, as first impressions, or no, no, no. I'm talking about whatever it is you do. Whatever, whatever it is you do, are you doing it with excellence? Watch what Bill Hybel said this in in, in the book The Christian in the Marketplace. This is what he says: Dignity is available to every person in every legitimate profession. The farmer plows the straight furrow. The accountant whose books balance, the trucker who backs a 40 foot rig into a narrow loading dock, the teacher who delivers a well prepared lesson, the carpenter who crafts a piece of furniture, the secretary who types the paper accurately, the mother who tends to her children faithfully all experience dignity as they commit themselves to their labors. A lot of our self worth comes from our jobs. Are we striving for excellence? Not just in the church house, but out in the community. Does your atheist boss see you as a Christian give a half-hearted effort at work? I wonder what he thinks about Christianity because of that. And besides this, give all diligence. Add to your faith excellence. Here's another thing I found. If you're into bumper sticker philosophy, you've probably seen this axiom. I owe I owe. So off to work. How many of y'all seen that bumper sticker and kind of chuckled at it? I have. I well, for a vast portion of the workforce, that's the best reason they can muster for going to the job each day. That's the best reason I owe, so I'm going to work cuz I owe. According to one poll, only 43% of American office workers are satisfied with their jobs. In Japan, the figures dipped to 17%. In the first century, Christian slaves had even less reason to be enthusiastic about their work. But Paul gave them a way to grasp a glimpse of glory amid the grind. He wanted them to adorn the doctrine of God, that is to show the beauty of their faith in Christ by how they work. By how they work. A significant and most often overlooked way that we serve God is in our everyday tasks. Martin Luther understood this when he wrote, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good shoes. Craftsmanship. You saw all back that up with the Bible. Watch what watch what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes 9 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy. Why? For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whether thou goest. I love this one. Colossians 3:22. Servants, you can translate that word slaves. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. This was not a servant like you see on TV. This was not one of the butlers that you see on a sitcom who gets paid and, and lives in a penthouse. And all. These were slaves. These were slaves, and Paul is telling them. Watch what he says. Don't, don't just work as you're working in front of people to please men. Watch what he says, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the... As to the and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. What does that mean? Whoever the name of your employer is, it's not who you think. It's not, it's not the county commissioner. It's not, it's not the one who ever owns the business that you work for. Your boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we will change our attitude and our mentality about who we're actually working for, it might just change how we see what we do. And if you can see yourself working for God, I, you know, I, I've worked some jobs where I thought I was working for the Antichrist, or at least his brother, I'm telling you. It's some rough, rough deals. You just want to, you dread going to work. But what if we change that? What if we put, because see here's when, when you dread going to work and you're frustrated all the time and you're mad all the time, you don't give your best effort. And when we don't give our best effort, then we're not being excellent. And then we're being disobedient to God. But if we could say, when we clock in, I'm on the clock, Jesus. I'm working for you. I'm serving you. I know know this is the one I'm standing in front of, but I know that's the one I'm going to stand in front of. And you know what? It might totally revolutionize your workspace, it might totally revolutionize your mentality, and it may just, you just might enjoy what you do. If we know and really focus on who we truly work for, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, listen the direction of our excellence in our worship in our work in the in the in the young people's weekly this is there was a sign at the entrance of a manufacturing plant that reads if you are like a wheelbarrow go no farther than you in other words going no farther than you are pushed you need not apply to work here let me read that again If you are like a wheelbarrow going no farther than you are pushed, you need not apply for work here. The real beauty of Christian living lies in the second mile. Y'all with me? I I worked at a golf course. Uh, Brother Travis worked at the same golf course, and they would give us jobs to do. They would give us projects to do, rebuilding bunkers and doing different things. And, and man, I, I would go after it wide open. And I wanted it to be the coolest bunker and and, and, and the, the most beautiful bunker on the whole place. And 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 the guys that was working with me would get frustrated. And say, Why we got to do this? Why are we doing all this extra? Uh, uh, it, it don't matter. I said, look, they're going to say Malcolm did that. And if your name is on it, you should take pride in that. And you should want to do it in an excellent way. And everything in life should be that way. We should strive hard. To, to strive, add to this, beside this, add virtue. Virtue means excellence. Number two, number two. Well, I can see we're enjoying this. Wait to the third point. Uh, number three, there's a danger to excellence. There's a danger to excellence. One of the, one of the dangers to excellence is A, past accomplishments past accomplishments. This has been the death of so many churches, it's unbelievable. So many ministries. When something worked back then, we never get over it. We're going to sing this same song because in in, in, in 1927, we had a mass revival and seen the whole, whole community come to Jesus because we sung this song at that day. So we're going to sing this song. It don't matter if nobody in the whole crowd knows it. We're going to sing this song. Because back then, let me tell you. Doesn't it? I don't want to be carnal. I want want us to get this. Uh, Paul said, I've not yet apprehended. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Now, most of us apply that to all the the bad stuff he did. but I think you can really apply that to all the good stuff he did too. Because what happens is, is when we focus on our past accomplishments, we tend to to coast. And we tend to relax and we tend to not strive harder. I read this story, I wish I'd have copied it and read it verbatim for you, of Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. He broke his leg on my birthday, by the way. That's just... I don't know why I told that, but I, I, he did break his leg. I come home that night from snook fishing and there it was. amen uh he has two Super Bowl rings. He has two super Bowl rings. The first Super Bowl he won and the second one he lost. and I was reading I was reading his own words about this and 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 he he said he said, going into the second Super Bowl, he said, I complained about everything. He said, I whined about my cliques." He said, I whined about the weather. I was, I was so, in other words, he said, I didn't give my best effort. I didn't strive for excellence. I didn't, I didn't put everything I had into it. And he said, I have two rings and I wear both of them. One to remind me of what it took to win and one to remind me of what cost and why I lost. And past accomplishments is a very dangerous thing. We should never get satisfied where we are. Amen. i tell you what. i tell you what. If you want to see things change, just hang around the temple just about a week and we'll move something else. That's right. We sure will. We want to create a culture of change. Always growing. Always going. Always developing. Always reaching. Never staying. Never stagnant. When the water's stagnant, things die. Are y'all with me? Jesus was a change agent, one of the greatest change agents in, in all of history. And we should constantly be reaching forward. Hey, if this worked then, if we're, if, if, there's one thing that I really love about our church is that they put up with me in that type of, of, of thing because they're patient with me. A lot of, a lot of pastors don't have that opportunity. And for that, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. Because if it don't work here, we quit it and do something else. And we don't, we don't wait around. We don't, hey, if it's not working, shoot that horse, bury him, and bring us another stag. Say amen. <laughs> That's the way you need to be. Don't, don't get so bogged down. Don't get so caught up in the past that you can't look to the future. I grew up my whole life as a little kid Hearing people say, let me tell you, back in South Georgia and and back in that, it made me sick. We're not in South Georgia. Thank God. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. I don't know what I took for the service, but I ain't taking it no more. Amen. I'm being way too honest tonight. It's okay that things worked back then, but this is now. This is now. Don't slow up. Don't give up. Don't, hey, don't coast. Don't coast. Even if, you know what the greatest, the greatest danger to great is? Good. I have seen, I have seen so many marriages. And can I be honest a little bit? I mean, I have already, amen. Uh, I've seen a lot of good marriages that could be great but they're not great because they're good and when, when you offer something that can help them move from a good relationship to a great relationship I don't need that we have a and you know there's so many churches that could be great I mean they could be great but the problem is they're good and they're, they don't want to change that why should we change that why should we stop that you know what 2007 i came in 1999 and in 2007 we had our greatest growth year the church has ever seen 2007 I, i can show you on the charts I can show you, I, I, I mean, Brother Dustin, he's ridiculous with his numbers. I mean, it's unbelievable. I can show you the graph and the chart. It's 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 crazy. And you know what? That's when we started changing. That's when God put it in my heart. That's when God started showing me things that were wrong, that we need to fix, that we were adjusting. And, and it was right after our best year. I'm like God. Couldn't you have done this on a down cycle? You say, "Why was you? Why was that a, a, a problem?" Because when everything's going great, people are saying, "What? You're tra- what? Why are you are you? Have you lost your mind?" And you know, there were some people that got upset and quit and left. Because they were happy with good. They were happy with good. And good was good. I'm not going to lie. It was good. But God said, I wanted great. I demand excellence. I want, you to, I want you to be better than what you are tomorrow than you are today. And I can show you on the chart great's a lot better than good. Good meant one full service. Great meant three full services and running over. Are y'all with me? Listen, what's the, what is the greatest danger? Man, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. The greatest danger to excellence is past accomplishments. Not only that, and this, this one really makes me sick. Present Apathy. I'm not going to talk about that because I will get carnal on this one. Present apathy. Present apathy. Uh, uh, I I, I don't like laziness. God doesn't like laziness. If you will notice, if you will notice, every person that God called to do a a great feat or great accomplishment, they already doing something. David was watching his father's sheep. Saul was looking for his uh, father's donkeys uh Elisha was plowing oxen y'all with me the the uh uh uh, Peter James and John they were fishermen they were working I mean they were laboring. they were hard workers what's the thing we can't get apathetic we can't get satisfied yeah we got a we got a full building and I I went oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness never never let this question get caught up with you when's enough enough Be careful with that. I understand the mentality behind it. Don't let that catch you. Amen? Excellence. Past accomplishments and, come on, say it with me, and, all right, number three, number three. Let's hurry up and get this. Let's hurry up and get this. We're going to finish this from, bless the Lord. We're going to do it. Amen. Uh, Diligence. Diligence in excellence. How, How can we how can we maintain excellence in in, in 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 reach excellence a by being completely honest complete honesty you see sometimes honesty hurts doesn't it sometimes we don't want to really know where we're at i was uh brother dustin's up in the in in the sound booth uh we have the opportunity uh, to go to other churches, and they'll call us and say, "Will you please come help us?" And uh, we went to a large church. A large church. Uh, uh, long story short, uh, we have done some things in our church. One of the one of the things we have gone through is is a book called "The Five Dysfunctions of a Team." The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. In other words, there's a lot of things that will cause a team not to work, whatever kind of team it is. And and so we took this staff, we took this staff through the five dysfunctions of a team and they had to take the test. But they took it on their own and submitted the answers, submitted the answers to, to the computer. So we got it all together and we came, sat down with everybody, gave out all the results. And And the test results, when they took it individually, said they were But when we got them all in the meeting and started going over each detail, well, no, I think we're really. So what happened? When they were by themselves, they were honest. But when they got together, well, you know, I, uh, I, I, I let that go on for just a little bit. About halfway through the test, I said, stop. Now, wait a minute. You either lied then or you're lying now. Are we going to be honest or not? Dustin, is that not what happened? You'll never attain excellence in anything you do unless you're honest about where you truly are. Listen, we must be honest about our church. We must be honest about our ministries. We must be honest about our marriages. Hey, here's here's one. We must be honest about our walk with Christ. Amen. Complete honesty. Be, be, constant honing. Constant honing. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Constantly working at it. Constantly working at it. Constantly working at it. I don't care what your craft is. You should never stop working at getting better at it. Uh, Hard work beats talent when talent don't work hard. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody, say it with me. Nobody. Say it. it. Is born excellent. born excellent. Say it. Nobody. Born excellent. Say it again. Nobody. You become what you are. I, I love this. Uh, some tourists pulled into this little, this little town. There was two older gentlemen uh, sitting there playing checkers and they pulled up beside it, kind of like a Mayberry thing, you know. They pulled up beside it, and they looked at the guy sitting on the front porch of the store and said, was there any great people born here? One of them looked and said, nope, just babies. (laughs) Nobody that's great was born that way. Oh, but look at LeBron and Michael Jordan. They may have a lot of talent, no doubt about it. But the time they've spent on the basketball court will make you nauseated. Tiger Woods, there's no doubt about it. He's got skills and he's got natural talent. But the amount of time he's spent on a driving range, are y'all with me? Excellence can be found if we strive for it. Let me read this one story. I know it's a little bit longer than I normally put in a message because I know we lose our attention when it gets up, but I have to read this. I have to read this. And I put it on purpose where it is, and we got plenty of time. we got plenty of time, all right? Uh, Reader's Digest, October 1993. <clears throat> it's a story of, uh, a story of uh, President Jimmy Carter. For many years, Admiral Hyman Rickover was the head of the, new, the U.S. Nuclear Navy. His admirers and his critics held strongly opposing views about the stern and demanding admiral. For many years, every officer aboard a nuclear submarine was personally interviewed and approved by Rickover. Those who went through those interviews usually came out shaking in fear, anger, or total intimidation. Among them was ex-president Jimmy Carter, who years ago applied for service under Rickover. This is his account of a Rickover interview. I had applied for the nuclear submarine program, and Admiral Rickover was interviewing me for the job. It was the first time I had met Admiral Rickover, and we sat in a large room by ourselves for more than two hours. And he let me choose any subject I wished to discuss, and very carefully I chose those about which I knew most at the time, current events, seamanship, music, literature, uh, naval tactics, electronics, gunnery. And he began to ask me a series of questions of increasing difficulty. In each instance, he soon proved that I knew relatively little about the subject I had chosen. He always looked right into my eyes, and he never smiled. I was saturated with cold sweat. And finally, he asked a question, and I thought I could redeem myself. He said, how did you stand in your class at the Naval Academy? Since I had completed my sophomore year at Georgia Tech, before entering Annapolis as a plebe, I had done very well. I swelled my chest with pride and answered, sir. I stood 59th in a class of 820. I sat back to wait for the congratulations, which never came. Instead of the question, here's the question, did you do your best? I started to say, yes, sir. I remembered who this was and recalled several of the many times at the academy when I could have learned more about our allies, our enemies, weapons, strategy, and so forth. I was just human. I finally gulped and said, no, sir. I didn't always do my best. He looked at me for a long time and then turned his chair around to end the interview. He asked one final question, which I've never been able to forget or to answer. He said, why not? I sat there for a while, shaken, and then slowly left the room. When it comes to excellence in our life, I've got one question why not? When it comes to excellence in your career field and you striving for it, one question, why not? Why are we not striving for excellence in everything we do? Why not? I believe, I believe all of us, including your preacher, is going to stand before God one day and i believe i believe those two words are probably going to be part of what we hear when he said i gave you opportunity i gave you provision i gave you direction i gave you guidance why not i want you to think about that i want you to take that home with you i want that to go deep into your heart deep into your soul Am I giving my best effort when I come and worship God? If not, why not? Am I doing everything at at work that I can? Am I giving my best effort at can? If not, why not? Am I constantly trying to hone my skills and my ability and what God has given me? If not, why not? And all God's people say it. I don't know about y'all, but this message has given me a lot to pray about. How about y'all? Why don't we do this? Why don't we find a place in in our...